Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, we're going to continue our study this evening there, starting a new chapter, Proverbs chapter 3. We'll read the first 10 verses there, Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse number 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For, the, the, for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of thine of, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. I want to talk this evening about what it means and how to have a satisfied life. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this evening, even before this time, many prayers were lifted up. And Lord, I pray that you'll, even this evening, Lord, I know week after week, um, we return here, Lord, and I pray that uh, our hearts don't just take for granted um, that you're a God that answers prayer and really begin to cherish what it is to have the creator of all listen to the prayers of such lowly people as us. Lord, we give thanks to you for all that you've done, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll be with those young men next door who came here this evening for the first time, Lord. I pray that you'll do a work that you can only do and save the sinner. Lord, we give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. I know if I was to ask this evening, who all has a desire to have a satisfied life, everyone's hand would go up. To, to have a life that, when I say satisfied, I mean like a life of peace, a life of, of joy, a life of no stress in the sense, and if we're honest about this, we all want this life. We all want a joyful life. We all want a peaceful life. We all want a satisfied life. But here in Proverbs chapter 3, Solomon begins to speak to his son, and he gives his son five principles to follow. And he says to his son, if you follow these five principles, you will have a satisfied life. I don't know if you've studied this text before and seen this, but as you begin to read this, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, the odd verse, odd verse numbers start off with the command, and the even verse numbers gives the promise for heeding such a command. In the second verse, Solomon says here, if you want to have a satisfied life, in verse number two, it says, For the length of days and long life and, and peace shall they add to thee. 
He says, if you, if you want to have a life of peace, if you want to have a life where you can enjoy the length of days, if you want to have a life, a long life, not only the length of days, but a long life. And listen, I'm certain that we all long for heaven, but also as we long for heaven, it is God's desire, it is the Lord's desire that though we long for heaven, that we enjoy this life here. We're not just programmed to want to get to heaven. I long to be with the Lord. I long to be free of troubles. I long to be free of sin and the vexation of sin that we see upon our families. But we are also given the opportunity to enjoy life here, to see our kids grow up, to, to see our grandkids grow up. I mean, I'm certain that as we look upon this miserable world, we begin to question ourselves, is it possible to have such a, a joyful life? Is it possible to have a, a satisfied life in such a miserable world? Yet, Solomon says here, if you want to have a life that enjoys the length of days, if you want to have a long life, a life of peace, you have to first heed verse number one, my son, Forget not my law, and let thine heart keep my commandments. I hope you can see what he's laying out before us this evening. If, if you want to have a, a satisfied life, if you want to have a life of peace, the only way you can ever have a satisfied life, the only way you can ever have a life of peace, if you start out as a child of God, keeping God's commandments for our lives. It doesn't, notice he says, it doesn't matter how much money you have. That's not what gives you a long life, a lengthy life, a peaceful life. It doesn't say how much money you have in your 401k. It doesn't say that your physical health is what gives you a long life, a lengthy life, or even a peaceful life. If you're going to have a, a fulfilled life, a satisfied life, you're, you're going to be a person who trusts in the commandments of the Lord. Also notice what he's saying here in this first verse. My son, forget not my law and let thine heart keep my commandments. This word forget here, my son, forget not my law. Solomon is challenging his son to, to do not cease to remember, but it's more than just memory. He is calling for his son to give constant care to the commandments that he had given him. He, he's saying, my son, constantly put application to your life, these commandments that I've given you. But also notice what he says, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Let thine heart keep my commandments. What he's saying here is that a life that is satisfied is not a life that's ruled by feelings. It's not a life that's ruled by emotions. It's, it's not a life that's ruled by fleshly desires. It's, it's not a life that's ruled by what other people think. It is a life that is ruled by the Word of God. This means we ought to listen to it. This means we ought to love it. This means we ought to read it. And even more, it means that we ought 
to live by it. He says, son, if you'll just live by the commandments I've given you, if you'll just live by the law for the length of your days and your long life and peace shall they add to thee. Here's what he's putting before us. The way we live affects the length of our days. The way in which we live our lives affects the life of peace. But look at the next steps to having a, a satisfied life. And first we see that in verses 1 and 2, the steps to have a satisfied life is a life that keeps the commandments of God. But in verse number 2, he says that the steps to having a satisfied life is a life that develops godly character. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. means don't let mercy and truth be far from you. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. What he's saying here is develop some godly character. Look at those two words at the beginning of the verse, mercy and truth. First, what he says to us about developing godly character is that we ought to be the kind of people that has mercy upon others. We ought to be the kind of people that has kindness, loving benevolence towards others. Remember what Paul told us even more in the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2, I believe in the fourth verse, he said, look not, uh, look not every man on his own things, but on the things of others. What he put forth there in this book, in the book of Philippians, we know it's, the, it's a book about joy. Paul would tell the Philippians, a key to having a joyful life is looking on the affairs of others and not looking after your own. You're not going to have a satisfied life if you're worried about the me, myself, and I syndrome. This is the plague that ruins the opportunity to having a satisfied life. But then he noticed what he says here. Truth. Not only we're supposed to be in loving kindness, but he says truth. We ought to have a character. We ought to have Christian conduct. When people think of us, they should know us as people who speak the truth. Now listen, I, I know that some of you have been serving the Lord longer than I've been serving the Lord, but I'll be honest with you, some of the biggest liars I've met have professed to be serving the Lord. And if they ain't lying, they're manipulating things to make it look like it's not a lie, when in actuality, it is a lie. But this is ungodly character. This isn't the key to a, a satisfied life. I was raised up by my mom, and obviously my mom, she was always really strict upon us in how we behaved in public. She frowned about how we behaved in public because it was a, a direct representation of her. But I can tell you this, there was nothing that made my mother more ashamed than when we were caught up in lies. And I've tried to raise my children up in the same way. I'd rather you just be honest with me. Just go ahead and tell me what happened and let us work through what's going on. Uh, let us, I try to tell them it's not individual decisions that defined you. It's repetitious decisions that define you. If it was individual decisions that define you, then David could never be considered a man after God's own heart. If David, if it was individual 
individual decisions, David would have never had restored fellowship. It's not individual decisions that define you. It is repetitious decisions that define you. This is to say that we ought to strive to live a life of truth, a life of mercy upon others. Even more, the, uh, there was uh, even more here. Uh, uh, because there was a statement of truth, we ought to be people who tell the truth. So if I have these two characters, meaning if I have a character of mercy, if I have a character of telling the truth, verse 4 gives us the promise to that command. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. You see that. If we live our lives selflessly, if we live our lives honestly, the text says that you will be right and you will find favor in the sight of God and man. Don't read that too fast and miss it. You will find favor in the sight of God and man. If you live right, if you develop and cultivate a godly character in your life, people will take notice. If you live right, you will give something for people to talk about that is good in a way that is honoring. As I was said earlier, I was raised up by my mom, and, and if I got to misbehaving too much, she would lecture me about how she didn't raise no fool and how she wanted the people to look on me and that it was a reflection of her about the way I behaved and so on and so forth. I heard them so much. But understand, this is kind of what Solomon is, is putting forth here, what is being implied here. The same behavior that is God-honoring, the same behavior that finds favor with God will also find favor with man. Favor with God and favor with man. It's sad that day and age in which we live in, it doesn't matter if you watch the news or, or you listen to your kids or you hear about all the things going on in the world, the steps that young people will do, and maybe even tragically sometimes adults, to find favor with man. It doesn't matter whether it's they have to do this thing or steal this thing, or even sometimes favor with man means that you have to take somebody else's life. But according to what Scripture tells us here, that when we cultivate godly character, the same character that finds favor with God will also find favor with man. The next principle is this, to having a satisfied life is for us to have a true confidence, an unwavering confidence. He already tells us in these first four verses, if you want to have a satisfied life, you're going to live a life that keeps his commandments. You want to have a satisfied life? You're going to have a life that develops godly character. If you want to have a satisfied life here, he says, you're going to have a life of unwavering confidence. Verse number five, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him 
and he shall direct thy paths. What is given to us in this verse is really not only an unwavering confidence, but is also a true confidence. That kind of confidence, understanding this true confidence, is a confidence that does not trust in yourself. It does not trust in things. It does not trust in ability. A true confidence, an unwavering confidence, trust in the Lord and in the Lord alone. An unwavering confidence is, is a life of dependence upon your Savior. But notice even more what he says. It's not a trust or a confidence in the Lord for a specific moment and you move on. It's trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And what? And lean not unto thine own understanding. I love the power of verse number five. Because it not only gives us the opportunity to have a confidence, an unwavering confidence, a true confidence that exists, that exists in God. But then also verse number five also offers the kind of confidence, it hints towards the kind of confidence that we shouldn't understand, that should be distrusted. We see that in the end of the part, uh, end of verse number five, and lean not unto thine own understanding. It seems today that among many Christians, there is a struggle from a carnal perspective, meaning oftentimes with believers, we struggle to find a whole lot wrong with us. We struggle to see our own flaws. We can announce flaws in other people's lives. Matter of fact, we are such experts that we can announce other people's flaws today, yesterday, five years ago, and 25 years ago. That's how much of an expert we are when it comes to other people's lives. But there's a danger to this, and there's a danger to taking this carnal perspective in our lives. We struggle to see our own flaws, but cannot see the wrong. I mean, we can see the flaws in others, but we cannot see the wrong in ourselves. And you know what happens when that happens? When you live a life that is able to pick other people's lives apart, you start to become one of the most dangerous Christians ever heard of. You're a Christian that has developed confidence into their own lives. When we get there, we begin to trust ourselves. When we get there in trusting ourselves, before long we end up welcoming misery into our lives. When we trust ourselves, we start rehearsing things to ourselves. Well, I can do this. But since I'm in control here, I'm not going to go any further. Well, I can handle this. You know, I'll use euphemisms, but I'm not going to curse. Or I can, I can, I can, and I can do this, and I can do that. And before long, where do you find yourself? You find yourself in a situation of distress because your life went down a road it should have never went down. But it went down that road because you had confidence in yourself. True confidence is in the Lord. And also an understanding of where confidence is not. It's in ourselves. There is no confidence you should have in yourselves at all. True confidence knows not to trust ourselves. Jeremiah 17 to 9, it rings in our minds that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And who can know the heart of man besides God? Proverbs 21 and 2 says, every way of a man is right, where? In his own eyes. This is the reality of, in the danger of trusting 
ourselves. It's amazing to me how many, it's amazing to me how at times we struggle to trust the one who's never failed, and yet we failed so many times. It's amazing to me that we struggle to trust the one who's always provided a way when we have failed to provide. We struggle to trust the one who was so confident in his promises, he preserved it in his word all throughout history. He, the Lord has never broken a promise. I'd hate to see how many hands and toes we would need to hold up about the promises that we've broke. But yet we struggle to trust him. So how far does this confidence go? In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. This confidence that we have and should have in God, this true confidence is a confidence that we can acknowledge him in every place of our lives. It's a confidence that we know that also, think about this, in all thy ways. It is Solomon's statement to his son that the Lord cares about every aspect of our life, in all of our ways, in all the things that we do. I believe that you can be God-honoring with your finances. I believe that you can be God honoring in the way you behave. I believe you can be God honoring in the way and the things that you watch. I believe you can be God honoring in how you conduct yourself in public. And you can be God honoring in everything that you do. In all thy ways, we are called to acknowledge him. And he will direct our paths. Let my desire, so to say, not so to say, let my desire be for the Lord because he has never failed. And because in every step of the way we acknowledged him, he has direct our paths. Even more, if you want to have a life that is blessed, if you want to have a satisfied life, not only should you heed his commandments, not only should you develop good character, not only should you have an overwhelming confidence in the Lord, but you should conquer the urge to be conceited. Verse number seven. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. James chapter 4 and verse 10 reminds us to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. The Christian life is a life of humility. It is a life of confidence. It is a life of relying upon God and trusting that when it is time for you to be lifted up, he will do the lifting. Verse 7, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. If you're going to have a life that's fulfilling, if you're going to have a life that's happy, then not only do you need to not be conceited, but you also need to be holy. Be not wise in thine own eyes. So you're humble. Then you're going to fear the Lord, and you're going to 
depart from evil. Our Lord deserves our reverence. And in the same way, he says we should depart from evil. It's amazing how many people today live like the world and claim to be holy. You understand in this verse that the fearing of the Lord and the departing from evil, they're together. If we have a true fear of the Lord, a true fear, we will depart from evil. If we have a true fear of the Lord, we will heed his commandments unwaveringly. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, if my mom was right there, I did not think twice about making a mistake and doing something that I was not supposed to do. I had a proper fear of her. I think oftentimes we take for granted that we don't see a, a physical Lord in front, in front of us and we somehow allow our minds to process that he's not there watching and looking upon us every step of the way. For those who honor the Lord, for those who reverence the Lord, for those who flee sin, he says, it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. But to the person who has a satisfied life and heeding his commandments, a godly character, a confidence. But look what he says here lastly. Honor the Lord, in verse number nine, honor the Lord with thy substance <coughs> and with the first fruits of all thine increase. He says, if you want to have a satisfied life, if you want to have a life of peace, then don't be a robber. Don't be, uh, they say that a suspect who, who commits a crime does his very best to blend in with the crowd, but oftentimes the police can make out the suspect of a crime be, because of how they behave. It's, they're acting like they're disturbed because they are. Because why? In this moment, they have a lack of peace. They have a, a lack of internal peace. They're not in a satisfied life. Why? Because they are at odds with the law. Solomon says to his son, if you want to have a satisfied life, then you need to honor God with your capital. You need to honor God with your money. God deserves your first fruits. He says in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings? I learned this lesson early on in my life. And I'm not here to lecture anyone about who gives and who doesn't give. I don't know who gives and I don't know who doesn't give. And I'm actually thankful for that. But in reality, I have to worry about my own giving because that's the giving I'm going to have to answer for. But even more, I remember early on after being saved, I would make excuses about why we should reduce tithes this week. It was foreign to me to give up 10%. And I would reason with Lauren like, well, you know, we got groceries this week and we got this. I tell you what, I just want you to give this and, and I'll make up for it another day. And then I would live the entire week being miserable 
because I felt like I committed a crime against the Lord. In reality, I committed a crime against the Lord. What Solomon is telling his son is don't fail to give the Lord what is his. It's not yours to start with. He, he blessed you. You're never going to achieve a satisfied, peaceful life in this wicked world robbing God. But notice what he says. If you will honor God, if you will, son, if you will give him what is his, that's so foreign to me, right? If you will give him what is already his, it's his already. If you will give him what is his, by the way, verse number 10, verse number nine and verse number 10, verse 10 says, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. I don't know if you caught the, the caption on this. In verse number nine, he says, for those people who are financially wealthy and rich, if they honor the Lord with thy substance and bless and with the first fruits of thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. It don't say nothing about that. It doesn't say that the people who are blessed beyond measure are the rich people who give. It says whatever your financial state is, whether you're lower class, the low, low, lower class, middle class, or upper class, this is a promise to all that if you will not rob God and you will give him what is his, the Lord's promise here, this is a promise, is that your barns will be filled with plenty and that your presses shall burst out with new wine. What it sets out for us here in this last portion is we honor, if we will honor God with our capital, we're going to be a-okay. We're going to be just fine. The Lord knows how to get you what you need, and the Lord knows how to bless you above measure. In these first 10 verses, that is the keys, really. This is the keys to having a satisfied life. You want to have a life of peace internally? You want to have a life of joy internally? Then live a life where you heed God's commandments above anybody else. Live a life that has godly character. Have compassion upon others. Live a life that speaks truth and truth alone. And also let your life be a life that proclaims that you have a true confidence and unwavering confidence in God. Don't be conceited. I love that that verse follows after that, that, and, and that we're going we're gonna to have this confidence in the Lord. We're going to have this confidence that he's going to bring us through, that he's going to do all these things for us. But then it follows up that we're not to be wise in our own eyes, meaning to say, when God does bless you, when God does lead you, when God does guide you, don't look down on somebody else and say, huh, you should have done what I did. Do, listen, do not be conceited. Don't be wise in your own eyes. 
But trust the Lord, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. And then in this continuing on, we're going to honor God with our capital. And then as we honor God with our capital, we're going to take steps moving forward to having a satisfied life because we understand everything that we have already belongs to him. Five simple keys to having a satisfied life. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you this evening, Lord, as we've opened your word and you've blessed this study in the book of Proverbs. Week after week, you've returned to, we've returned to your word to be encouraged, to be challenged, Lord. And Lord, I know the desire of all of our hearts is to be satisfied in you, to be satisfied in this world that seems to be unsatisfied, a, a world that's always crying for more and more and more. Let us be your people crying out for more of you, more comfort from you, more, more trust in you, Lord, in this wavering flesh, this weak flesh. Lord, we give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.